Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. The legends are true. But overwhelming power. The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Donald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Hey, LPN fans, Page 7 and Wizard and the Bruiser are going on tour. Yes, the last podcast network presents the release the Butthole Cut Tour could be coming to your town. Holden, where are we going? July 11th will be in Oklahoma City, July 12th, Kansas City, Missouri, and finishing out on July 13th, St. Louis. Be there. MJ, where can we get tickets? For tickets, go to lastpodcastnetwork.com. Say it again. That's lastpodcastnetwork.com. All right, let me paint you a picture here, right? I wake up at 6.30 in the morning, hungover, to watch Riverdale. Mm -hmm. And I have another confession to make. Mm -hmm. MJ, I cried again! I cried too. Did you cry too? Okay, thank God. I was like, as I was crying during the last song. The last song, yeah. I can't cry. I can't make this a thing. I can't be this person that cries at Riverdale. I can't. Well, I am going to go ahead and assume that you cried for a different reason this week than last week. Last week you cried because the book burning scene was disturbingly relevant to our actual horrific political hellscape landscape that we're living in. This week, if you're anything like me, you cried out of just being moved by the ensemble cast of Riverdale. Loved it. And their relationship to each other. I spent this, in, it was the musical. It indeed was the musical. It's the musical episode, guys. And I spent the entire time watching this episode just literally sitting there and thinking, I hope they're having so much fun. And they seemed like they were. They seemed like they were. And that's all we want. That's We just want them to have fun together. I know. And I don't know how if it makes you feel this way, but like watching them all, if you follow them on social media, uh. th- them posting over this last week because they just wrapped the final season. So they're all posting these like really like, like beautiful memories and just writing these beautiful social media posts, like saying thank you to the show. And then I watched this episode and that last song and they're all coming together. But I also, that's why I love a musical. I love an ensemble scene. Don't get me wrong. Oh my God. When everybody comes together and sings the power of song. (laughs) That's the thing. And if you've ever been in a musical, you know that it's just really fun to stand there and sing with everybody. It's not an experience that you get to have in your regular life. And I think as actors, it must be so fun for them to be like, we're going to put on the corniest fucking musical to turn from an actor on set doing a network show with all its pros and cons 
to then once a season get to be like, this is now a musical. It must just be really, really fun. It just looks like they are having fun on set. And it Riverdale does not always look like it would be a fun show to be a part of, especially with all the ups and downs of the last seven years. But this whole season has seemed really fun. The cast has really seemed like they're having a lot of fun. And yeah, there's just something about the musical episode that I always love the musical episodes, although I'm sure you can literally find me saying, I don't want a musical episode of Riverdale, which was how I felt, I think, at first, because I was like, I want it to be like a dark, sexy mystery. I don't want it to be a musical. I've come around on the musical episodes and... I think that just knowing that this is their last hurrah gives it all an extra heavy and meaningful weight to it. And I also cried. I'm so glad you cried, too. I was like trying to blame the hangover and it was like, Jackie, and I said aloud to myself. You just love musicals. Yes. And I do. And I know, again, we've had lots of ups and downs with the musical episodes of Riverdale. We haven't even brought up what musical they're doing. I know. Did did you spend the first five minutes trying to Google what musical is? Archie the Musical. Yes, I did. (laughs) Because I didn't know if Archie the Musical was real or not. Yes. I was like, at first, I was, for the very first song, I was just like, okay, I was Googling what they were singing. Like, okay, what is this from? What is this from? Because in the past, they've done obscure enough musicals that I didn't know any of the music for them. And, you know, Heather's the musical and Carrie the musical. And so this time I was like, okay, what the fuck musical is this? And then you realize a few minutes into this episode that they have composed an original musical for this episode called Archie the Musical. And in the plot, Kevin and Clay have composed it together and are trying to put on an original musical called Archie the Musical at the high school and trying to get Principal Featherhead to greenlight it so that they don't have to do Oklahoma again. And as a musical lover who's also lukewarm on Oklahoma, I appreciate Kevin's disdain for Oklahoma. Yeah, because then they're just like everybody else. Let them flourish, please, Principal Featherhead. Although, <laughs> it put us, it's put us in the strange position of it, it, the, the songs are good but since it's not a musical we know I feel like it just sounds like kind of generic musical for the entire episode I don't know if I can delineate which songs <gasps> happen where oh am I offending you <laughs> it's, you don't think it was generic am I, am I offending you oh no it was insanely generic but I loved it I'm not complaining I'm just saying that it's all kind of one big like we're Archie the musical I'm Veronica, like for kind of the entire time, you know. I don't know if I except for the love songs. Yes, there was, there was, and they, and to, I love self-aware Riverdale. Self-aware Riverdale started off this episode by literally referencing the completely undefined character of Archie Andrews. Kevin has a line that says, um, "If the." want song for the main character has too many things going on it leads to a poorly defined main character which is hilarious because Archie is a pretty poorly defined main character <laughs> and- what are you talking about basketball or poetry MJ <laughs> so they it's very meta it's a mu- it's not only a musical episode but it's a musical episode that is explaining the structure of musicals as we go through it, they're like, this is the I want song. This is the central romantic driver. And they explain what makes musicals good 
throughout the musical episode. Very satisfying. Very satisfying. I loved explaining the I Want song. I loved, like, because it also goes to show how much Kevin loves musicals. And even though this is Archie the musical, this episode was definitely way more focused on what Kevin was going through. And we will discuss that as, you know, the songs go on during this. (laughs) Because it starts off... The whole episode starts off as like essentially Kevin and Clay pitching this idea to everybody. All right, guys, we're coming together. They have this great opening number. It's very cheesy. It's very, I've seen multiple recaps liken it to High School Musical. And I said, how dare they? <laughs> Even Because uh, now we've watched all the High School Musicals, okay? And you can bet on that. Wait, how dare that they? That we've watched it. Who are you offended on behalf of? Are you saying Riverdale. that- Riverdale. How dare they com- compare High School Musical to Riverdale because Riverdale is so much better? Is that what you're saying? Yes. Wow. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Wow. Yeah, now, it's a big claim. Now it's other people's it's turn claim. to be offended. I mean, <laughs> I think I'm going to agree with you because I was in apparently the minority of people in our Page 7 community who was not especially moved by High School Musical. I did not... It did not stir we much in me. We saw it too old. It yeah. was, we were saw it too old. The, yeah. Like it, we, I'm glad we watched that. But Holden loved it. Holden's older than us, and he loved it. Of course, he <laughs> loved it. <laughs> <laughs> I did like this. I would, if you said MJ, you can either watch High School Musical or this episode of Riverdale. I would choose this episode of Riverdale five times over. Yeah, yeah. Well, because now I want to listen to some of the songs. Yeah. There's some the of them I actually good. want to listen to. I, I said generic, but they are generically good. They are all they are good. Um, especially, yeah, we get we get the a great ensemble number right from the top, and it's I I really like it too because it does the Riverdale thing where it's switching between where they actually are and kind of the fantasy, and so it's really them just workshopping the musical in the music room. But we also get like a big ensemble number where they're all on the steps of the high school. They're all dancing. They're all dancing. It looks great. They're all smiling with each other. And they immediately spoke towards where they like Cheryl comes walking down the hallway and she's singing and she's in her Vixens uniform. And I was like, I thought Cheryl can't be in the Vixens anymore. And that was my first thought. I wrote it down. And then immediately once they're back in the room, they're like, wait a second. You have us singing as we're seniors. We're not even seniors. We're juniors. Right. Archie gets upset where he's just like, why is this all about me? Because it's very funny because in the world, you know, there's not like Archie comics or something like that. So he doesn't understand why it's all about him. And I also saw Cole Sprouse singing up top. And I was like, I thought Cole Sprouse won't sing. And then he and Reggie are like, yeah, I'm not going to be a part of this. And they peace out. Again, self-aware Riverdale. In the first ensemble scene, Jughead is singing. And he's not only singing, he's singing very enthusiastically. Yes. And so you're like surprised. You're like, this is not usually Cole Sprouse's deal. And then, right, when we see them back in the music room workshopping, he's like, yeah, I'm not going to do this. Which, you know, I guess props to Cole Sprouse for being like, I'll do it enough to like, like he is in the opening number and in the closing number. And that's nice because it it was really eye rolly to be like for him to be like I'm not even going to participate, you know? Yeah. And now I read some recaps too that talk about and like the, their ire towards not only this episode but all of the musical episodes because they drop the plot of everything else. However, yes, there is no plot. There is no plot. You're right. 
But they did write the music for this, so they're not just shoehorning songs and trying to desperately make them make sense in this episode. It's written for it, which I like that it's more, like, if you're going to compare it to a high school musical, I like how it blends the line of reality and the music. And, like, I saw this person write, like, how are they all going to come in and sing the song at the end when Kevin just wrote it last night? And I was that's, like, that's, that's what, what musicals, musicals are. are. Yes. That's just musicals. Yes. It's totally, yes, completely, totally fine that you suspend your disbelief. And yeah, in that way, it is like High School Musical, where it just actually does feel like they're all spontaneously bursting into song. We put everything on hold. This is what happens with every few episodes of Magical Riverdale. And also to that point, I would say this is probably the second most successful musical episode episode of Riverdale after Carrie because Carrie it worked because the plot of the musical could work with what was happening in season one right and then the musical episode started to fall apart after that because like it just didn't work plot wise after that but this does work because it is original musical about these characters in this season so we get a song about queer love queer interracial love in the 1950s uh, specifically as outlined by Cheryl I love that they didn't like the song at first and they're, they're like that TT essentially was just like, we're not just going to be chorus girls. Yeah. Are you, are we actually going to have parts in this? Yeah. And then they wrote that beautiful song. Yeah. I thought it was gorgeous. The four of them singing together. Also clay can sing. Yeah. Yeah. Clay is, I'm very glad that we have clay this season. Me clay too. is doing a lot of heavy lifting, both in terms of the good looks and in terms of advancing some interesting plots. Um, and yeah, so we get the queer love song. We get Archie's want song. And I love how, because Julian is playing his understudy. Right. And he's very upset about the fact that he's his understudy. And in fact, they have this, like, as they're singing the first I want song that Kevin writes for them, they're running and they're, like, competing. And then Archie takes his shirt off and then Julian takes his shirt off. And I was like, man, I'd feel so bad if I was, uh, like taking my shirt off next to KJ Appa. I you know. can't. He's I know. The one who's not KJ Appa yeah. is in a tough spot yeah. for sure. And honestly, I thought KJ Appa did a great job in this episode. He's born for stuff like this. This is the this is the thing about KJ Appa is I'm sure he's going to have a great career after this, but weirdly enough, as much as we have complained about Archie over the years, it really is he is perfect at playing this character. He's just like he totally understands the assignment. He's like, I'm supposed to be a corny boy from the 1950s. And he is killing it. There is really very little plot advancement for any of the characters. But they don't totally put everything on hold because we do get a lot of Kevin plot. Um, and then we do get like a little bit more advancement of the... It's not the Archie plot because Archie's basically... Betronica? That's the thing. Archie's like, actually, my big conflict isn't Betty or Veronica. It's basketball or poetry, which whatever, snooze fest. But I also want to commend Archie for coming in and actually having a difficult conversation, even though it was very short. When Archie comes in, because the whole thing for the I want, because the main character needs to know what he wants. He needs to make decisions. So this is like the whole plot for Archie through this episode is he doesn't even know what choices are his big choices. And he has to finally be like, what do I want? Right. And so they write him a whole song of like, is it Betty or is it Veronica that I want? And right. he was just like, this isn't. For me, this isn't what I'm going through right now. And as we know, he doesn't know. 
how to write poetry while playing basketball at the same time. <laughs> and so he goes to Betty and Veronica and he's like, I know I've kissed both of you, but I don't want to kiss anybody right now. I just want to figure out whether I want to play basketball or do poetry. Snaps to that, bro. Snaps to that and then snaps to... Riverdale for being like, sure, we have to put all of the cool, fun, murder, mystery stuff on the back burner for the musical episode. But what we could do is continue to advance the queer love between Betty and Veronica. Yes! And so, so ooga, ooga. this was started, of course, during the Halloween episode, I think, where we see Ver Veronica and Betty are, um, you know, both orphans and they're kind of confessing their plight to each other. And they confess that they've each thought about kissing each other, but then they get interrupted by Smithers. So now we get to see them both after Archie being like, it's not really it for either of you, that they both kind of look at each other and are like, I'm still thinking a lot about you. And it's really, just like it was before, it is very, despite this being the corny, kind of meaningless musical episode, it's very resonant and it works very well. And can I just say the chemistry between the two of them? That's the thing. Fireworks. Yes. Like, it's so palpable. Yes. And I, I think it's just because they're really good friends. So, like, they're very, like, intimate in friendship ways in real life. Yeah. And, like, that... So, they've got, like... They had this scene where they were, like... It was, like, an almost kiss. And they were, like, hold... Like, their hands... It like zeroed in on their hands. And I was just like, kiss, kiss. And then they continued the scene later on. They jump back in and then they kiss. And it was, it's everything. Yeah. It's my everything. I had no idea it's what I needed. I'm so happy they're not warring over Archie. I'm happy that they're choosing each other. Fuck yes. And there's so many things that I have not appreciated throughout Riverdale in terms of, we talked about this a lot last week, how self-referential it is to the Archie comics and like how it turns out that, you know, Archie was this kind of like purity comic in the wake of all of the band comics and whatever. But I also love that seven years of Riverdale about a series of comics where the entire plot is, will Archie choose Betty or Veronica to have it culminate with Betty and Veronica choosing each other. And Archie choosing himself. And Archie choosing himself, just like Samantha chose herself in Sex yes. and City. Yes! I love it! And their song, their harmonies together, I loved it. I want to listen to that song. I know, I know. The first, like, season one Riverdale musical, I was like, wasn't sure if it was all of them singing. And so I wasn't really enjoying the music and the singing because I was like, this all just feels kind of canned. But now that I know it's all of them singing, I can enjoy the cannedness. It's actually like they're good singers. Yes. All of them. It sounds good. It sounds corny, but in a good way. But also in watching it, you can tell that they all work so hard on this because it's got to be really difficult, especially for this where it's like learning music you've never heard before. Yeah. And having to like, just like, that's a lot. That's a lot to ask of a cast. And I know that they do this once and now this is their seventh time doing it. So I'm sure it's old hat, but it goes to show that they are seasoned at doing it in this episode. Totally. And it's just a fun vehicle to do like a romp of all different of like different styles and like so before they fix the 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 love song for um Cheryl and TT to make it the queer love anthem it's like this 
kind of corny um, sock hop style Valentine Friday love song. And it's just fun how this season they've been really leaning into the 1950s, like stylistically in terms of the costumes and in terms of like how it's shot and how it's lit. And so the musical is also a really fun way for them. It it just, it, it was visually a delight. You know, there's lots, it's really corny. There's a million costume changes. We're constantly switching back and forth between fantasy and reality. And it's just really satisfying. And the kiss, the kiss between Veronica and Betty like happens in the middle of a song in a kind of like hyper visual fantasy. such that I almost missed it. I was like, okay, we're, we're doing this love song thing. And then suddenly they were kissing. I was like, oh my God. Like, but it was, it really felt earned, you know? Yes. Oh my God. It was just, I I was just, oh, sad watching it this morning. Just being like, do I love this? I know. Now after so long i'm finally like i don't really want it to end well also we know that betty and veronica's song was so good because cole porter wrote cole it. porter wrote because it. veronica was like i'm gonna call up cole porter and i'm gonna have cole porter i'm gonna pull in a favor and have him in one night write me this song but i will say cole porter you did a great job <laughs> and they made the cole, quote unquote cole porter song sound better than the songs kevin had written somehow like they made it be like this is a musical kevin wrote but then this song is going to be like way better because the premise is that veronica reached out to her pal cole porter to write her and betty their own song yeah i mean i feel like the old i don't have any real critiques of this episode i i don't that the kevin stuff like the Kevin plotline felt like slightly shoehorned in. We haven't heard from Kevin's mom since we heard that his origin story is that she called him Husky when he was a child, right? I, so, you know, I didn't have my Riverdale historian with me. And I was like, did we know in this season that we must have known that his mother, that Kevin's mother is alive? I that, That's the thing. I, we hadn't seen her this season. No. That I'm sh- sure of. I don't think that we had heard Sheriff Keller even talk about getting divorced or being single or whatever. Whereas in this episode, they just jump right in. Like Sheriff Keller is sleeping in like the prisoner's cot. Or he's Which I'm kind of happy he's sleeping on a prisoner's cot this season's Sheriff Keller. Yeah, that. he's a bad 50s dad this season. He's got a bed in the corner of the jail. And apparently him and his wife are going through this horrendous marital conflict, which we're all supposed to know is happening, which they've never referenced before. And apparently it's really tearing Kevin apart. And yeah, his mom shows up and then he has a scene. They have a scene where they tell him that they're getting divorced at Pops, of course. And then he has a scene with his mom where he's like, basically like, is this my fault? It seems like things have been bad between you guys ever since I broke up with Betty. All but saying, is this because I'm gay? And she's like, no, this has nothing to do with you. But I appreciate that she actually, she's the only one of the parents that was like, but I accept you and it's not about you. You know, like I feel that that was an acceptance without saying it. Yeah, totally. But like, Hasn't Kevin's mom, like, never been around for the history of Riverdale, like, ever? And she called him Husky. <laughs> she got Right. I thought she was only around as a kind of villain figure who called him Husky. And here she is in this episode being the only parent who seems to accept their child for who they are. Yeah. But, yeah, that, you know, so so that was fine. Um, we have a scene where Archie tries to quit basketball and Uncle Daddy's like, 
fuck you. I won't accept you. Because he wants to write poetry instead. But also, Archie kind of sucks for you to do that mid-season. Yeah, totally. He's like, I want to quit bas- quit basketball mid-season. And the, I mean, Uncle Daddy is rightly like, well, you have a team that's kind of counting on you. But then everything else Uncle Daddy says is bad because he's like, oh, I can't believe you can choose poetry over basketball. Um, and then we, but we don't get anything from the Coopers. We don't get anything from the Lodges. There's no Hiram or Hermione in this episode. And we really don't get anything from Jughead. Jughead and Ethel are like around. They're always together. They come in for the ensemble numbers. But there is, other than that, basically zero plot advancement. No mention of the Milkman. No. No darkness. No darkness. No, no, no darkness whatsoever. But I do love this theory that comes in from Alanis. And I want to say, Alanis, thank you so much for your... Uh, email because Alanis is new to our Riverdale roundup, but was introduced to Riverdale through the quarantine and then has watched all of it and just recently found us. So I love this theory and thank you so much for writing in. In episode 130, the Pep Comics guys says in a throwaway line to Ethel and Jughead, I'm looking at the dream team. Last season didn't doppelganger Jughead trade his soul to stay locked in the bunker and write storylines for Rivervale with only Ethel for company while he writes? I know the showrunner says this season isn't a Rivervale continuation, which means exactly nothing. I mean, Michael Shore jokingly gave away the good place twist at a convention, but what if something has happened in the Rivervale universe where Jug and Ethel have to have switched over to writing for Riverdale? Uh-huh. It would explain why Ethel has such a big part in the storyline this season and also how they seem to be growing closer together. And if that is the case and they are the imagination engine for this universe, then they actually would be the dream team. Uh-huh. Yeah, that, I love this. That makes total sense, right? Because we are still ultimately in a world that we're we're in a flashback. We're in a time jump. We're in 1955, but I forgot that we also might be in a world of Jughead's imagination. We could be. It's possible. At least at times, we have been in the world of Jughead's imagination. We're not in. We're not even in an alternate reality from regular reality. We are in a reality in the mind of somebody who's in a different reality. Because, I mean, Jughead still narrates the episode. Yeah. You know, it's like he still usually is, obviously not this episode, but he usually is the narrator of it, which would make sense if he was the writer. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. The legends are true. Overwhelming power. The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of McDonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. 
Want the same expert advice you get from the pros in the store while shopping online at DiscountTire.com? Meet Treadwell, your personal online tire guide that matches you with the perfect tire for your vehicle. Get your best match in one minute or less with Treadwell by Discount Tire. Now I'm trying to find it in the Page 7 group on Facebook. Somebody posted a recent article about Riverdale that says that it's going to finish in 1955. It's not going back to the present. What? Yes, I know. I need <gasps> I need to find it. Also, Jackie, we just got an email in the inbox as we record about Archie the Musical, so I'm flagging that to make sure that we don't miss it um, from Maxwell. And also, I I know you're the you're the theory collector, but let's not sleep on the email that we got. That's subject line. It's not too late to make everyone on Riverdale queer. Parentheses. By Archie conspiracy. Which, <laughs> so we got a lot to get to, but I got to see if I can find this. But basically, okay, this here we go. Comicbook.com. Riverdale's final season will remain in the 1950s. So if that's the case, they're going to have to, what it will determine what type of resolution we get. So Madchen Amick, who is, of course, Alice Cooper, uh, said, I don't know if I should answer when asked about the settings, the various time settings of the final season. She said, no, we don't get out of the 1950s. So I guess maybe this is a big spoiler. I will say you do experience the characters in different dimensions, that you get a lot to see a lot of closures that are outside of the 1950s. I can tease it that way. I think that's saying enough. What? That is a bit of a... That's a bit of a Tom Holland spoiler. Whoa, that is a spoiler, bro. Right? Bro, that's a huge spoiler. Yeah. Alice. I know, I'm kind of amazed. Wow. This is from July 1st, <gasps> so it's new. We're breaking news over here. Oh my God. Yeah. Okay, so they go back and forth into the different dimensions. Yeah, because Tabitha just hasn't been around for a while. Well, and this is the thing. I say it every week, but... I'm like, oh my God, we have so many episodes left. How can they afford to have an entire episode with no plot advancement again? Because they have so many episodes per season. So they got plenty of time. So much time. Plenty of time. Honestly, can we just turn back this conversation just a little bit and talk about Archie being bi? Yeah. Because there were multiple times that when he was like, he was thinking about something, like he kept like looking over, like at one point he looked over a Jughead And then there was like this moment between them. And then he looked over, I forgot who else it was. Yes, he was looking in my, he's trying to figure out himself and who he he wants to be. I think he's looking at Reggie playing basketball. Yes, yes. And then Jughead writing. Yes. And he's like, I'm drawn to writing and I'm drawn to basketball. Or is he drawn to To Reggie and drawn to Jughead? Please, 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 please. I, I, I. If, make them all gay, please. <laughs> may I? May I read this? Or buy whatever they want to, be, whatever they identify as. <laughs> may I read this theory from Rosemary about? Yes, queer it up, queer Archie. All right, so. Hi, Jackie and MJ. I'm sure you, like me, are absolutely thrilled to pieces with the Veronica developments in the latest episode of Riverdale, but I couldn't help but notice something else as well. During Archie's updated I Want song, when he sings about choosing between Betty and Veronica, at what point... This is just what you just said, Jackie. Is that exactly what they're talking about? (laughs) Because I can't find the email. I can't find this email. I've got it. At one point, we see him glance over at Reggie playing basketball and Jughead writing. 
Now, while I guess this was meant to represent his Troy Bolton-esque struggle between ball and poetry, wow, the high school musical comparison really is very real there. Um, I can't help but consider the implications, longingly glancing at another man when you're meant to be hanging out with your girlfriend. I mean, plus listen to these lyrics. Sometimes I crave a little cotton candy. Sometimes I want to have some onion onion rings. rings. They're both delicious. Please understand me. How can I choose between two perfect things? Ah! Rosemary continues, choosing between two girls, two life paths, Super salad, pretty convenient metaphor for bisexuality, if you ask me. At least that's what I, as a bisexual myself, am choosing to believe. Oh my God. And but wait, there's more. I can't remember if you've discussed this on the pod before, but in the early 2000s, Roberto Aguirre Sacasa got sent a cease and desist from Archie Comics (gasps) for trying to stage a play about Archie Andrews being gay. Has this entire show been a long game for Roberto Aguirre Sacate to finally make Archie queer? <gasps> wow. And uh, Rosemary sent a link to a piece called You Think Riverdale is Wild? Wait till you hear about Roberto Aguirre Sacasa's gay Archie play. In 2003, the Riverdale showrunner got a cease and desist by Archie Comics for making Archie gay. Wow. Whoa. Wow. Well, would it happen again if it's like on Riverdale? Like, well, that's what, the, I would, can't what believe, would happen? I mean, I can't believe he if if Archie Comics didn't want Archie to be gay. Do, does Archie Comics know about Riverdale? Oh, I mean, no. they've made the entire universe gay. No, no. Wow. But also get over yourself, Archie Comics. Come on. I know. Why not? Have some have a fucking smile. <laughs> I am so grateful to this. And of of course, because of course you spend the whole I Want song being like, okay, it's about Veronica and Betty. It's about poetry and basketball. And honestly, it had gone right over my head. But it is the perfect metaphor for bisexuality to be like, I can't choose. I can't choose between super salad. I can't choose. Cotton candy or onion rings. And then Jughead's like, I'll have both. So... That would be great, too. I would love a queer Jughead, Please. especially since I'm th- annoyingly thirsting for him this season. It's so I'm so annoyed that I can't believe if you had said, Jackie, by the last season of Riverdale, you're going to be back to thirsting for the teenagers. <laughs> I, I like you're insane. But I mean, we have to thirst. It's a sexy show. Yes. Yeah. And their parents are gone. Yes. Yeah, the pair right. Who if without it's their fault for taking away Skeet Ulrich. If they hadn't taken away Skeet Ulrich, we wouldn't have to thirst for Jughead. Yeah, but this is the world we have, and sprinklings of Kijiepa, which like, <laughs> that's crazy to me. That's insane. <laughs> I know, I know. I I'm disturbed yet slightly delighted by how attracted I am to KJ Epa this season, oh, especially wow. his Instagram is really fun. Mm-hmm. But yeah, and I will so so uh the the email that just came in this second as I we record, identify I feel so seen by Max and I just want you to know I feel this is the email we just got in yeah. because I wrote the same thing down in my notes that I was like, wow, Kevin's finally getting like not only a plot line, and it's not about him becoming a cult member. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. It's not like he's in a stable relationship. Yes. There's problems at home. And I was like, oh my God. And that's exactly what Max said. Seeing Kevin written with dignity is something we've needed all along. A love story for him that has care taken. Yep. A storyline with his parents that doesn't rely on some weird childhood trauma. Yeah. And the musical being attached to his very essence at the end. As someone that is much like Kevin in too many ways, I can safely say that I was crying by the end 
end of the episode. Yes, man. The way they fixed Kevin's mom really gives me hope that they're not afraid to retcon some other plot lines like Mrs. Grundy. I too was afraid when I saw her, but I honestly have faith in the writers to do something with her plot line that isn't what she did in season one. This was by far my favorite musical episode. Love ya, Max. Max. I'm with you, babe. This is a great point because I actually didn't really realize the extent to which this is giving Kevin more. I think I have such a, like, I, Kevin has been such a, unfortunately, like, not invested in character throughout the series that I, it didn't, and until hearing Max lay it all out like that, it didn't really hit me that, yeah, this episode really gives Kevin the most interiority and um, like complexity that we've gotten from him, especially at the end when it he's basically dealing with his parents' divorce by putting everything he has into this musical and just being like, "Can I please? Can I please have control of something? You know, can I please?" express myself in this way that I constantly I'm like still basically you know it's the 1950s so he's not and he's out to the three other queer people but he's not really able to be himself and he puts like his entire heart into this musical for and then it gets roundly rejected and you're so right Max this is the most this is like a lot that has been given to Kevin in this episode and that's great I hadn't really thought of it that way but I totally agree with you thank you so much for writing that in I um I'm glad you joined MJ and I both crying at the end of this episode, <laughs> so you were not alone. At least there was there was at least three of us crying at the end of this Riverdale. I wonder if there were more. Did you cry? Right in. Let us know if you cried. <laughs> page seven podcast at gmail.com. <laughs> I'm telling you, the page seven inbox right now is about 70% Riverdale emails. Love it. And we read all of them. And in fact, I want to go back and thank you so much, Carl, for bumping this up because Carl wrote this in a while ago and I missed it. They bumped it up in our inbox and they were talking about, and I didn't know this, Carl, and I appreciate you thinking that I might know this. Jackie probably already knows this as a hashtag nerd girl, but in our real life universe, this is also all about uh, Dr. Werther's and where he comes from. Yeah, this is a really good email. There was a Dr. Frederick Wortham a psychiatrist who wrote a book entitled Seduction of the Innocent, which essentially said comic books cause juvenile delinquency. Due largely in part to Wortham's efforts, the Comics Code Authority was created, which was used to put some comic companies out of business and to censor storytellers for decades. So we were talking about this a couple of episodes ago, Uh and I didn't realize that Dr. Werther's is based on Dr. Wortham, and that's where it came from that's where the character comes from thank you carl thank you so much honestly the listeners of riverdale roundup are helping not only like redeem this season of riverdale but the entire series like all of this every email we get has some fascinating either piece of history or context that we didn't know or insight into why they are doing all of this. And it's just, it really is actually amazing to see the intention with which the writers of Riverdale are approaching the season, especially after we spent so many years being like, why are they making these choices? You know, that to be like, this character with this weird name that we've all been wondering, why is this character named this? is a very specific reference to this thing that is framing the entire, this actual historical, um, you know, real thing of the Comics Code Authority that is framing 
we found out last week, not only this entire season, but the entire series and how Archie Comics exists in the universe as informed by the Comics Code Authority. It's just a... Uh, so now we know why it's Dr. Werther's. How is this show sticking the landing? I know. How is this happening? Where were they? I don't Where know. Where were they for all this time? You know what I mean? Like, how is it that we went on so many detours? I mean, I guess that's just... That's just what happens. Sometimes you stick the landing and sometimes you don't. But like we went on so many detours. There were so many things that happened in the series where we were like, why are you making these choices? And suddenly it's like every choice they make seems so intentional. Yeah. And so thought out. Yeah. So that like we used to joke around about theorizing about things because it was so ridiculous that we knew nothing that we were saying was going to come true because it was so out of this world. Right. And now we're just watching a good show. And I feel weird that we're just like celebrating it every <laughs> week. But like, what? I don't know what else to do. We're, it's great. We're watching a good show. We're piecing together all these like super subtle slash not. So I just, I love how they're subtle in the sense that if you don't know about Frederick Wortham, it is really subtle, but it's also so heavy handed to be like, not Dr. Wortham, Dr. Werther is like, it's it's like subtle, not subtle, Um, you know? And, and so we're, we're like piecing together more and more. And I think that the interesting thing that we learned about it, that we learned from this spoiler from Alice Cooper about it ending in the 1950s is we know that they're never going to be able to wrap up all the, all these threads, right? We know that everything that happened in the Percival season and with Rivervale, like we're never going to be able to get it all wrapped up. No. And yet I think that the reason why this season is so pleasing is like, we don't need every last little thing to be wrapped up because everything that's happening in this season seems to be happening for a reason. And I still want to know how they will possibly wrap up basically anything from last season. But it also, like, I don't really care because last season got us to 1955 and 1955 is just like where the show should be right now. So it's just working. How they got here doesn't really matter because where they are right now is working. And even thinking about the last episode when we were talking about the Crucible, Mariah wrote in, wrote about using the Crucible, which I we didn't even bring this part up. And what they wanted to add was one major interpretation of the Crucible is that it's an allegory for McCarthyism. At the time of writing the play, Arthur Miller was tangled up in that era of the Red Scare. And when ordered to to uh, do so, right. refused to name so-called communists. Right. As a result, he received a conviction of contempt of court and was viewed with distrust by fanatics of McCarthy. Miller wanted to explore the themes of mass hysteria in contemporary American society, mm-hmm. but through the lens of history. As the saying goes, those that fail to learn from history are doomed to repeat it. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much, Mariah, for writing that, because they're, like, this season is so well thought out. Yes. There... Uh, And like, I was talking to friends of mine that gave up in, I mean, in the middle of Percival, they just dead gave up. They were like, I can't anymore. And I was like, y'all, don't finish last season. Just don't. Just know that a comet's coming and then bam, they're in 1955. Just start this season. Yeah. Just do it. And they did. And they watched all of the episodes in like three or four days. And they were just like, yeah, you were right. And I was like, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Totally. Like, I, I, again, I don't know what happened with the Percival season. 
I don't know if that was some sort of like bizarre long game to try to set up a kind of crucible-esque situation, because obviously the whole Abigail Blossom 1660s burn at the stake thing kind of was a bit of a crucible story. But it just felt like we were out to sea. We had no idea why anything was happening. And then Is it that Jughead gets stuck in 1955? I, I mean, I don't know. I, that's, I still have no predictions. I still have no strategy. I still don't know what's coming next. I have no idea how they're going to wrap this up. I don't know how they're going to connect it to anything that has previously happened. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I really don't. If anything, I want more Jughead. That's the thing. I like. I enjoyed having more Kevin this this to this episode. Yes, but I need more Jughead because he is the one driving the 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 both the mystery plot, which is like really fun, and he is the only one connecting us to anything that has happened the previous six seasons. You know, so like we need more Jughead. I hate to say it. Sorry, Lily Reinhardt. I know we hate Cole Sprouse, but we need more of him this season. And we hate him for you. Yes. We won't. We don't forgive him. Oh, no. We have parasocial relationships, don't we? <laughs> oh, my God. I just realized it. <laughs> talking about them like we're friends. <laughs> Did this just dawn on me seven seasons later? Yeah, no. We got we got Lily Reinhardt in the breakup. I don't know who got Cole yeah, Sprouse in the breakup. I mean, we but... don't have Cole. Whatever. Take, take out the trash. <laughs> But we're not talking about Jughead, we're talking about Cole Sprouse. So very different, very different things. And yeah. we're allowed to have little crushes on him. It's where it all began, MJ. Yeah, and he is seven years older now than when the show started. I mean, I just can't believe that KJ Appa is only in his mid-20s. These people, I mean, they really have been doing... No wonder they're also emotional, right? Like, these people just lived their 20s on Riverdale. Can you imagine? No. And like what like a batshit time that was. That's why I loved watching all their like farewells as they wrapped last week. So it was like, what a time they must have had together. Like that is such a unique like to spend all of your toy. Honestly, like, yes, I am going to compare myself with them. <laughs> I was going to yes. say, it's kind of like the network. It's kind of like our network where it's like, well, we just like work together through our entire 20s, through all of the doldrums of our 20s of just like being batshit. And then, like, you come out the other side and you're just like, are we humans? <laughs> are we, like, whole people that can, like, be adults? And the answer is no. <laughs> but we made it through. And it is kind of sad to... There was a viral tweet last week that was like, Riverdale is the last show of its kind, the last, like, teenage, you know, comedy drama network show with tons of filler and, like, tons of bad shit twists. And it was like a RIP tweet that went viral. But it is, as much as we've talked on the show about how much you realize how much filler there is in a network 22-episode season compared to, like, a 10-episode streaming service. You know, I mean, thinking about the writer's strike and thinking about... It is, like, slightly sad to be like, this is probably the last... This really is the last time you're going to have, uh, like, a teen dramedy that has the room to stretch out and do so much of this weird shit, do so much... Because you're not going to be able to have a musical episode and like a Tales from the Crypt episode if you have only an eight episode streaming right. arc. You know, you just don't. You need you need room to stretch out. And in many ways, that structure wasn't working for shows. But it is kind of it's making me a bit nostalgic, even though it's not over yet. It's making me nostalgic for the form because it does feel kind of like a last hurrah of the form of this type of network dramedy. Am I going to start watching Riverdale from the beginning again? <laughs> <That's>... <laughs> Just skipping season six? Yeah, we. I think we can do seasons one, two, 
three, four, four. I think we can do one, two, three, four, Riverdale, and then seven. Rivervale. Yeah, Rivervale. Yeah. And then and then skip to seven. Yeah. I think that that's what we need to do. Yeah. I think that I need more. I, I'm yes, I'm already pining for the end. I know. No, I'm not pining for the end. I'm say I'm scared. I know. I don't want it to end. I know. It's you know, it's like as soon as Succession finished, I was like, well, I guess I just have to rewatch Succession. Yes. And I keep making Riverdale and Succession comparisons because they're the two shows that I'm watching that are ending right now. And no, they're not comparable in no. terms of quality no, but they not. are bringing up a lot of emotions in me both of them i will get upset about their like comparing this to high school musical but i uh, i do agree that succession is um a brilliant genius show so <laughs> and this episode totally must have been explicitly a high school musical reference has also, to be though, right has I mean, to with be. the whole basketball versus art thing you know i just i should have looked into it who wrote the music? And if you know who wrote the music of this, was it Roberto Aguirre Sacasa? Because it is good. It's good music. I know I called it generic, but that doesn't mean it's bad. Musicals are supposed to be generic. You know, Roberto Aguirre Sacasa now, I feel like I need to go back on it, do a deep dive with him. This makes me do like want to do a pop history, Jackie, on Roberto Aguirre Sacasa, figure out what his deal is. Oh my God. Should we? Kind of. Wait, are, th- are they actually... Is there actually going to be an Archie the Musical? Besides this episode, you mean? Writer-director Adam McKay, like Anchorman, Talladega Night, like, yes. The Adam McKay? Have joined forces with Archie Comics, one of the most popular comics ever produced, to bring Archie, Betty, Veronica, Jughead, and the Riverdale Gang to Broadway in an all-new musical. McKay is slated to bring his singular brand of comedy to the musical, writing the book for the show, with the creative team timing for a New York run to be announced at a later date. What? Is that real? I don't know. Is this real? I don't know. No, There's that was in 2015 and it hasn't happened. All right, that was 2015. Okay. Sorry. All right. Sorry. False alarm. False alarm, everybody. Don't worry. False alarm. There's a lot of articles written about this episode, though, which is interesting because you had just been complaining the last few episodes that there was like no recaps about the last few episodes. But there is a lot of musical episode write ups about this. Um, so I don't know. It does still feel like we're the last two people watching Riverdale. But maybe people are coming back to it. Yeah, I feel like we're like out. I don't know if you watch the new season of Black Mirror, but it does feel like um, we're just like in space, like our bodies <laughs> are in space, but our brains are here alone. Like our like other like form of bodies are here just going through the motions and watching Riverdale. Except that this season feels the least lonely, actually, because first of all, it's good. And second of all, we are hearing from so many people all the time about it. And so now we know we're not we're not really the last two people. We're the last two people along with however many people are listening to Riverdale Roundup right now. And we're all in it together, you guys. We're in it together. Time enough at last. We are in it together. Thank you so much for joining us. And thank you again for writing into page7podcasts at gmail.com. All of your Riverdale theories. We love reading them. Even if it's, again, you just being like, I love Riverdale. I'll read it. I will read that email. And I want to say thank you to the people that have done that. And I appreciate you too. Thank you, MJ. Thank you for crying alongside me, dude. Yeah, man. I'll admit it. Thank you. I cried. We cried. And... Man, when you're crying before 7.30 in the morning, you either really need to look at your life or you really need to look at your life. (laughs) And thank you (laughs) so much, guys. We will be back next week, and I can't wait to see what happens. Bye. Bye. Bye.
This show is made possible by listeners like you. Thanks to our ad sponsors. You can support our shows by supporting them. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to lastpodcastnetwork.com. The legends are true. We're overwhelming power. The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! I participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last.